Amen. Y'all could clap or something, you know. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. <clears throat> that was pretty weak. I love my mother way more than you do yours. And she's not even here. Amen. Hey, praise God. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, I know you've already heard it, but let me say it again. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, we love you. We're thankful for you. Uh, I want to brag on what God's been doing here and what you and I have been involved in this past Wednesday night <clears throat> in Ground Zero. A couple of amazing things happened. Down at Power Kids, which is kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, our fifth graders are a little old. They're, they're getting older. And so a lot of the things that we do in Power Kids can be things that they don't as, enjoy as much as when they were younger. So one of the things that we've done is we've started Team 5. And what Team 5 is, is all of our fifth graders are involved and they're leaders. And so they lead in praise and worship. They're on the platform every week during praise and worship. And then they, do the, they take the offering. They're the ushers. And so they're leaders. Well, last week, as we get close to the end of the year, we bring all of our fifth graders to Ground Zero because they're the future of Ground Zero. And next fall, they'll be able to be in Ground Zero. And so last week, we brought all of our fifth graders down, and there were 27 of them. And so we had all of our fifth graders down here. Then we had sixth through twelfth graders down here. And they had an incredible time in the service, and they got a free food coupon, and they got drinks, and they just got to experience how amazing Ground Zero is and what they're looking forward to next year. Well, then also in Ground Zero, we did a water baptism. And uh, Kurt set up a tank outside. We've used it before. Many of you have seen it. And we baptized ten teenagers last Wednesday night. So y'all go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. And uh, we had kids who hadn't even planned on being baptized, and uh, they were moved on, and they wanted to be baptized. So we baptized uh, some of them in their clothes because they didn't bring anything to change into. Now, earlier in the year, we baptized another 10 or 15. Uh, we did uh, a big weekend, and we baptized 15. So this year in Ground Zero, we've water baptized 25 teenagers. Then also at the beginning of the year, Kurt taught a series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in the, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in other tongues. And here's the amazing thing about kids and teenagers. They haven't learned yet not to believe. And, and I'm not picking on any of you, but as adults, you've learned to resist and you've learned to say no. And teenagers haven't learned that yet. And we had 40 teenagers receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues because nobody told them they couldn't have it. Okay, and uh, people have told you you couldn't have it, so you don't want it. But we had 40 of them who wanted it. And so we've had 40 teenagers filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've had 25 of them water baptized. Now, you could clap right there. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, I ran into a gentleman in town, and, and uh, I don't know him very well, but I know who he is. And he said, hey, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, what's going on? He said, I really need to get with you. I said, okay, what, what about? He said, we've got to get something going in this town for teenagers. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, there's a place called Ground Zero on Wednesday night. You ought to come on by. You ought to come on by. Listen, folks, God is moving in you. And he's moving right now. And, and I always believe in prayer, you know. And don't get me wrong when I say that. You know, people are praying for revival. And uh, while people are praying for revival, we're, we're having it. 
And so I want you to know what God is doing and that teenagers are being touched, teenagers are being ministered to, kids are being touched. Uh, all the fifth graders were down here, and uh, they were in ground zero. So down there, all the fourth graders got to get on the platform. And that's boys and girls. There was probably about 20 of them on the platform. And they led in praise and worship, and they did the offering, and they were so excited because they're next year's team five. So the fifth graders are here. The fourth graders are on the platform. So in the service, it was kindergarten, first, second, and third. And they were, in, they were in, out in the service. And so we had church. We had an amazing, amazing time. And I could take the whole rest of the service and tell you story after story after story. And I'll just tell you two quick ones. A little girl came up last week after the service, and she came up to me, little bitty thing. And she came up and she said, Pastor Rusty, I want you to know that Jesus touched me in the service today. Okay, uh, yeah, that's priceless. Amen, that's priceless. Then there's, an, and we do memory verses uh, every year we learn memory verses and we have a bunch of verses that we've memorized and there's a little bitty thing little bitty girl she's she can't be more than a first grader and one of the verses we did is second timothy 1 7 god has not given me a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind and she always comes up to me little bitty thing and she'll come up to me and she'll she has to look up at me and and she'll poke me on the leg and i look down at her and she says god has not given me a spirit of fear power love and a sound mind and then she sticks her hand out for a power buck and I slap one in her hand. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all. Amen. Amen. One of the things we teach in Power Kids is that you don't have to be afraid. And uh, we, I think that's real important because I always grew up afraid. And I want kids to know that you don't have to be afraid. And, and we, listen, kids have real problems. Kids have real problems. They do. Uh, we have kids that have terrible home lives. And then we have kids that have great home lives. And so we teach them you don't have to be afraid. And one of the ways we do that's with puppets. We love puppets at Power Kids. And, you know, pup don't say, well, kids don't like puppets. They sell Toyota cars with puppets. Okay, have you seen those commercials with puppets? Okay, anybody ever heard of Big Bird? Anybody ever heard of the Muppets, right? Uh, yeah, people, every, I love puppets. And so we do puppets. And so one, one and don't take this, this isn't my heart, okay? One of my favorite puppets is the devil puppet, Okay. And for some reason, I'm, I'm, the, I'm really good at being the devil. And I don't know why. I don't know why, what that is, right? Uh, you know, and so, but we, we, we do the devil puppet. And, you, and when you bring him out, you almost can't bring him out because they just, they go insane. Don't they, Monica? They just scream and yell and, oh, my gosh. And so last week, I didn't bring him out, but I, I did my, my devil voice, and, but I didn't bring him out. And we're talking about fear and so uh, Vicky's up there waiting for the pup to come out, and I did the voice, you know, ha, 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 Well, they just go insane because they know the devil's here, right? Now, don't come up to me and say, Pastor, you're making too big a deal out of the devil. Don't come up and do that, okay? Because what we teach them is Jesus is bigger than the devil. And so Miss Vicky says, how do you get rid of the devil? And they all start yelling, you know, 120 of them, Jesus! They don't act like y'all do in church, you know? <laughs> I mean, we're doing this amazing music this morning. I am a child of God. And y'all are like, I mean, really. I mean, it's like, it's like we're at a funeral. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on you. but So they don't act like y'all do. The, the teenagers don't act like y'all and the kids don't act like y'all. And so they're screaming the name of Jesus and they're hollering and yelling. And then the devil, he acts like he's having an appendicitis attack. You know, he's, he's all hurt and he has to leave. But we're teaching them you don't have to be afraid. Now, here's what I want you to know. 
All of that's happening because of you and because of your involvement and our volunteers and, and your financial giving and all the things that are happening. And so I want you to know how amazing things are going in Ground Zero and how amazing things are going in Power Kids. Now I want to read to you this morning. I'm going to read out of Exodus chapter 3 out of the New King James Version of the Bible. Now, I want, I want to show you two amazing things in the Old and New Testament this morning. I want to talk to you about the two most important stories in the Bible. All right, let me say it again. The two most important stories in the Bible. Okay, the, the most important story in the Old Testament is the story of the Exodus, where God raises up Moses and he uses Moses to deliver the children of Israel from slavery and bondage from Egypt. That is the most important story in the Old Testament. Then the most important story in the New Testament is the birth of Jesus Christ, him being, him being crucified on the cross, his burial, his resurrection to deliver us from the power of sin. Now, Jesus is more important than Moses. I'm not putting those guys equally. Listen, the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. I'd like to challenge you, if you have a computer or a pad or something, get on there and put in Jesus in every book of the Bible. And it will pull up websites, and it'll show you how Jesus is in every book of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. I've always said it, and I'll say it again this morning. Jesus is my hero. He's your hero, and he's the hero of the Bible. Moses is not the hero of the Bible. Jesus is. He's our redeemer and our deliverer. But the two most important stories in the Bible are the deliverance of the children of Israel from the most powerful nation in the world at that time, which was Egypt. God brought them literally to their knees. And he delivered the children of Israel with his power and with the blood of the lamb. And he delivered you and I from the power of sin by the blood of the lamb. Amen? So those two stories go together. Now, I want to read to you this morning out of Exodus. Moses is a shepherd. He's working for his father-in-law, and he's been out in the wilderness for 40 years. He's been exiled from Egypt, and he's, he was pushed out of Egypt. He was gotten rid of in shame, and he's gotten married, and he's working for his father-in-law for 40 years. While he's out in the desert, he looks up on a mountain, and he sees a bush that's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. You know, as well as I do, when something catches on fire, the fire is big for a while, then it burns out, and it's gone. This does happen. There's no smoke. It's a supernatural fire, and it does not go away, and it does not disappear, and Moses notices it, and he starts a trip to there, and he says, hey, I'm going to go see what that is. Well, when he gets there, he runs into God Almighty, and when he gets there, God says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground, and he has this conversation with God about how God is going to deliver Israel, and he talks to him, and we're going to begin to read in the middle of that conversation, so I'm going to start with Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Let me get a drink first. It says, <clears throat> but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Here's the first thing I want you to see. Moses says to God, who am I that you should send me? Listen to me. Many of you are telling God that on a regular basis. God, who am I? God, how can I share the gospel at my job? God, how can you use me to help my family? God, how can you use me to help my neighbor? God, who am I? God, I can't do anything. I'm not trained. I don't have enough education. I'm not from the right family. I don't have enough money. I'm not the right color. I don't know what to say. All right, listen, can I encourage you to stop doing that? 
Okay, Moses said, God, you can't send me. I don't have what it takes. And God says, if you have me, you have everything you need. And I want to say the very same thing to you this morning. Listen to me. God wants to use you in your life and in your family and in your job. Let me tell you a secret on how to do it. The Bible says in Revelations that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The most powerful thing you have against darkness is your own story. Listen, no one can refute or argue against your own story. What do you mean? Well, a lot of times as Christians, we think, I don't know the Bible good enough, Pastor. I can't go talk to people about the Bible because what if they bring something I don't understand or they want to argue about something that I don't get? Okay, here's how you overcome that. You go and tell people, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has changed my life. He's done a work in me, and he's changed me, and you just tell people your story. And the Bible says that you'll overcome by the blood of Jesus and by your story. So Moses says, I can't go. And God says, yes, you can. I'm going to be with you, and you don't have to worry. All right? He says, who am I? Okay? You be encouraged this morning. God wants to use you. Let me continue to read. Moses said to God, but how can I go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said... I will certainly be with you. Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus said he'd never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. He's with you no matter where you go, and he will equip you and he will empower you to do what he's asked you to do. Let me continue to read. And this will be a sign to you that I've sent you. And when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll serve the Lord God on this mountain, the mountain they were on. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. That's King James. The new King James says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, come on. Hey, God, what's your name? Well, my name is I am. Really? Come on, God, that's kind of weird. Let's just get real, right? I'm supposed to go down and tell those people, oh, who sent me? Well, God sent me. Well, what's his name? His name is I Am. But there's a point to that that I don't want you to miss, and I want you to see in your own life. You know what God is saying to Moses? He's saying, I'm the God of today. I'm the God of right now. And whatever mountain you're facing, whatever need is in front of you, whatever battle you're in, I'm the God of today. See, here's what we do. We make God the God of yesterday. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't remember. I think it's very important to count your victories. It's very important. Listen, this morning during praise and worship, I took my glasses off, and I can read the words on the screen. Now, it's fuzzy. Don't get me wrong. I need my glasses. But I could read the words without my glasses. Okay, folks, in my life, that's a miracle. Because I've had retina surgery in both my eyes, and there was a time after that surgery when I stood right down there, and I couldn't even see the words with glasses on. It was fuzzy. And when I preached, I had to use white cards as big as this iPad and write big black bold letters where I could read it. Okay, but my eyes are so much better that I can read this tiny print. I mean, this print's little, y'all. I mean, this is, this is like 18-year-old print, right? I mean, I can, I can read it, man. All right, it's a miracle, and I, I'm grateful, and I can look back and think about what God's done in my life. But here's the mistake we make sometimes. It's never wrong to count your victories. What's wrong, though, is you think, well, God did that back then, but he's not going to do anything now. That's the danger. 
And so you know what God told Moses? I am the God of today. Listen, when I was young, I'd go hunting some. I've never been a big hunter, but I've been pheasant hunting and I've been dove hunting. And it seems like anytime you would go hunting and you didn't have good luck and there weren't very many birds or things didn't go well, somebody would always say, man, you should have been here yesterday. Right? I had a guy tell me one time, pheasant hunting, we, we tromped through the mud all day long carrying our guns and we didn't see one bird. Then this guy came up and said, oh, you should have been here yesterday. The sky was black with birds. Nothing makes me madder than that, right? Or tomorrow, right? You go home and don't go the next day, and they say, oh, you should have been here. It was amazing. All right, here's the danger. We tend to put that on God. And see, Moses was thinking, well, God, how am I going to do this? And I know you can think the same thing. And God told him, I am the God of today. I'm the God of now. I took care of you yesterday. I want to take care of you today, and I will take care of you tomorrow. All right, Hebrews, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Here's what I want to lodge into your heart this morning. Whatever's going on in your life, God is present today to take care of you. And you don't have to wait a year, five months, six months, whatever it is, for God to move. He wants to move today. All right, now, I'm going to fast forward to the book of John in the New Testament. God told Moses, I am. Now, this is the story where... Uh, Lazarus has died in the New Testament, and Jesus raises him from the dead. He goes to the graveside and supernaturally raises him from the dead, but it hasn't happened yet. He's died, and the reason he's died is he was sick, and Jesus wasn't there to heal him, and so Jesus shows up too late, and they're having this conversation, and that's where we're going to read. Listen to what it says. It says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, many of us, myself included, have made that mistake. Listen, you've told God before, God, if you'd just been here. God, if you had just showed up. God, if you'd just listened to my prayers. God, if you would just move, this wouldn't have happened. And you blame God. And she says, Jesus, if you just showed up, this could be different. Listen to what he says to her. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, he's dead. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am. Now, there's more. I'm going to read more, but I just want you to see those two words. Okay, God told Moses, I am. Jesus told Martha, I am. They both said the very same thing. Listen to what it says. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and who is, to, and who is come into the earth. Now, let's, look what it says in verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, though my physical body may die, I'll live. Now listen to me. God told Moses, I'm the God of today. Jesus told Martha, I'm the God of today. Even though her brother had died, and we know in the story, he raised him from the dead. But he died again later. Uh, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will never die. Let me encourage you in something. Any people that you've loved that have died already, they have not, nor will they ever see corruption. Okay, what do you mean, Pastor? The sting of death. Now, they died physically. Let me give you a perfect example. My father passed away when I was 18. 
He's been in heaven almost 41 earth years. Now, I don't know how long that is in heaven, okay? Because heaven is eternity. Here we live by time, and in heaven they don't live by time. So I don't know how long that feels like to them. But when my father died, we placed his body in the ground in Amarillo, Texas. It's there right now. But he is in heaven with Jesus. And he looks just like he did on the earth. And when I get to heaven, I'll see him and I'll recognize him. The Bible says that you'll be known as you're known in heaven. So when I see you in heaven, you will be perfect. You'll be, you'll be in your prime. You know, there's no old people in heaven, right? You'll look perfect, but I'll know you and you'll know me. Now, Jesus is going to come for the church, and those that are dead in Christ are going to be raised from the dead. She said it. She said, Jesus, I know that he's going to be raised in the last day. Listen, my father will be resurrected. If I pass away, I will be resurrected, and I will have a perfect body, and you will have a perfect body, and we will live forever with God. Listen, our daddy owns the bat and the ball, and he's the coach, and we win. Amen? He's not like Jerry Jones. Amen? No, no offense, right? I mean, thank God he's not like Jerry Jones, right? Lord Almighty, right? Okay, we win, right? We win. Okay, you will not see corruption. Your loved ones will not see corruption. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, and I'm not picking on you, and I, I hope you know my heart. That's why it always amazes me in praise and worship how we don't worship better. Because, folks, we're going to live forever. And we're not going to taste death, hell, and the grave because Jesus is our resurrection and our life. And God told Moses, I'm the God of today. Jesus told her, I'm the God of today. Now listen to me very carefully. God hates bondage. What ties these two stories together? Okay, God sent Moses to deliver Israel out of bondage. Their bondage was physical slavery. Our bondage is sin. All right, Jesus came to deliver us from bondage. Now, I want you to understand something, and I want you to understand it very carefully. God hates it when you're in bondage because you're his child and he loves you. Listen, I can look across this room, and if you're a parent or a grandparent and your children have hurt, I know it makes you suffer. If you've had a child in bondage or you've had a child that's been sick, I know that you've suffered as a parent and a grandparent. And we could go across this room and everybody would say, man, if my child is hurt, I'm hurt. Or if I've had a grandchild that hurts, I hurt. Your heavenly father is the very same way. Listen, he loves you. I found, what did we find out last week? I'm a son. You're a son. We're daughters. We're not slaves or orphans. God hates bondage. And he's fighting for you to be free. See, when you come in this place on Sunday, here's what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to come in here and get tips and techniques. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to teach. I love to preach the Bible. I, I love to preach. I love to talk, right? I just, I love it, right? I mean, I never think, oh, it's Sunday and I have to preach. I never think that. And I know preacher friends that do struggle with preaching, but I ain't one of them, Okay. <laughs> I love to preach. I love to teach. And I, I just, I do. I mean, I just love it. But see, church is not supposed to be me teaching you something. Now, don't get me wrong, and I don't want to talk in circles. I teach and you receive. We talked about it being discipleship. But here's what's supposed to happen at church. You're supposed to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. See, when you come in this place... You're supposed to get a fresh revelation and a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. 
Every time you come in this place and you close your eyes and the music starts and you lift a hand and you say, Jesus, I love you and I'm glad you died on the cross for me and I'm glad you shed your blood for me. And then when we pray, you pray and, and then you help in the offering and you hear the word of God. You know what's supposed to happen? You're supposed to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when you do that? You change. You can't help but change. And you know what happens? The bondages in your life will fall off of you. See, here's the mistake that we've made. We think that we have to gut our way through or we have to use willpower. Listen, you know, let's just take the example of smoking. All right, if you're a smoker, okay, and you think, I got to quit smoking or I want to quit smoking, and then you quit for a while and you kind of go through that willpower thing and, and then you fail and then you start smoking again and then you feel ashamed, listen to me. Listen to me. When you come in this place, you just thank Jesus for his love and his grace and his power in your life. And you know what will happen? You will be supernaturally delivered. And you didn't make it happen. You didn't force it to happen. He will set you free of anything in your life that you want to be free of. Why? God hates it when his children are in bondage. So it's not a willpower thing that you have to make something happen. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The two most important stories in the Bible are the story of the Exodus, where God delivered them out of slavery, and the New Testament, where Jesus delivered us on the cross from sin. God wants you to be free. And every time you come in this place, you have an encounter with Jesus. Listen, that little girl that I told you about in Power Kids, and she came up to me and she said, Jesus touched me. You know what that little bitty girl is saying? Well, I had an encounter with Jesus. That's what she said. I had an encounter with Jesus. Now, the service is geared to children. We do children's music. We play games. We, we do the craziest, funnest stuff down there. We throw giant beach balls. We, we calf rope the chair. We do all kinds of stuff down there. But you know what happens? Jesus shows up. Now, we do the same thing in Ground Zero. Now, they don't do kid stuff in here, but they do loud music, and, and they do fog, and they play games, and they act crazy. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up. Well, then you show up on Sunday. And we do loud music and fog and we act crazy. You just, you're teenagers and you didn't know it. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up. Listen, you don't get delivered because Rusty's here. You get delivered because Jesus is here. You don't get peace because I'm here. You get peace because Jesus is here. So you don't get free from fear because I'm here. You get free from fear because Jesus is here. And here's what happens. The closer you get to him, the more that jump falls off your life. Right? And it's not anything that you do or anything you make yourself do. I mean, when I was a kid and I'd be afraid at night, I would try to make myself not be afraid. Well, I'd just be more afraid. Right? It didn't work. Right? Have you ever done that before? You're going to make yourself do something and it's worse. But when you get close to Jesus Christ, you get set free. Whatever it is you need in your life. If it's peace, if it's joy, if it's freedom from fear, I know many of you, you can worry about finances, you worry about weather, you worry about the future, you worry about sickness. You can worry about all those kinds of things. But Jesus has come to set us free. Those two simple stories. Jesus says, I'm the God of today. As I look around this room, I want to encourage you. Whatever you need today, not tomorrow, not last week, what is it you need Jesus to do today? He wants to do it because he loves you. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Praise God. Man, pastor can preach if I say so myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, come on, right? I mean, man, 
I mean, I was all discouraged this morning and thinking about not even coming. Man, I'm glad I came. I mean, I got up this morning and said, I don't even want to go to church. And my wife said, you have to. I'm glad I'm playing. I wanted to come. I'm glad I'm here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you're the answer. It's not religion. It's not rules. It's not toughing it out. It's not biting our lip. It's not being strong. You know, all that junk, Lord, it's you. Jesus, thank you that when we're close to you, that those things fall off of our lives and we're set free. I'm thankful that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we're in right standing with you because we're your children and we're blood-bought. Father, I'm glad that you hate it when we're hurting and in bondage and that you come to rescue us. You come to set us free. And, Lord, I'm grateful. I am so grateful in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Moms, happy Mother's Day. We love you. Go home and get in the recliner and don't move all day. All right, we love you. Y'all going to be blessed.